This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, welcome into the Hoist the Colors podcast. It is Thursday, April 13th. We are less than a week after the conclusion of the ECU spring football season. Uh, we are going to recap that and a whole lot more. I'm Stephen Igo, the host of the podcast. I'm joined by Nova Pirate on the Hoist the Colors message boards. If you guys are familiar, also known as Sean. He's joined us for many uh, podcasts, especially football-related in the past. Sean, uh, you were at the spring game. First off, I got to say, all right, so was it as miserable as it seemed? Because I was in the press box. I was dry. I got to give you major kudos for coming down and uh, and sitting through that. Uh, and I wanted to get you on because you, you made that drive and sat through the mess. But uh, it seemed pretty miserable. Oh, it was pretty miserable, Stephen. I'm glad that you were warm and dry because I worried about you a lot because I thought, is Stephen, is Stephen okay? I think I even sent you a picture of me in the rain, huddled, um, freezing to death. But I, I'm, I'm marshaled on, Stephen, for all of ECU football. It was pretty bad. I mean, it was the worst spring game I can remember. And what a, what a strange weather pattern for that day. There was also very few people in the stands which was kind of sad for the players but um yeah it was an interesting weather day that's for sure yeah the spring game is for for whatever reason ecu fans it's, it's always a sparsely attended event it's nothing like you know some schools that sell out 70 80,000 seat stadiums for the spring game and you know you take away the barbecue you, you add bad weather and that's just going to make it worse and that's exactly what happens so I do think there is a lot of value in, you know, us being there and being able to see it with our own eyes. The game was not streamed. We did play-by-play in our game thread, and we did updates on Twitter. But uh, for those who couldn't see it, I think the people that were there got a valuable look at the team, got a better feel for what to expect. We'll kind of get into the spring as a whole. I was out there for most of the practices. Uh, You were out there for the spring game. You read our reports. And Let's start first with, with what we liked uh, in, in the spring game. A uh, lot to like, for sure. We'll get into what we didn't like. But, uh, Sean, your initial takeaways on the good from the spring game, uh, Purple Gold game. 
Yeah. Um, so my overall thoughts were we are really good at some positions. Um, I think we're in a good, I think we're in the driver's seat for many of the important parts of the team. Uh, I came away feeling um, pretty good about where the offensive line was. I know there's some parts that need to be sort of, uh, we need some more plug and play, but we definitely have some pieces. I think we have about seven people, maybe eight that can be fairly solid. And I'll talk a little bit about my thought on the tackles. I was most concerned about what the tackles would look like. I actually came away feeling better than I thought I was going to, but I'm also really clear that I'm, I'm glad that we're, we picked up these two kids from Akron. You know, I think in terms of the other pieces, um, D-line looked really good. There were a lot of there were a lot of really good pieces that I think that were really sort of um, searching for how to figure out how to work together, and that may have just been part of the way that the format for the spring game um, sort of solidified. I know Coach Houston sort of changed it last season or the season before, but some really good skill players. Uh, again, I thought the skill players did better than I was expecting them to do. Uh, I really liked our running back. So, um, but uh, so good players, uh, good position players. I thought the defensive line was dominant, and then now we just got to put it all together. Yeah, just a. Uh... I thought the run defense outside of the one Javius Bond long touchdown run seemed to really control the pace. And that was interesting to me because being at the first scrimmage, it was uh, problematic, the run defense. There were several uh, times that running backs were either breaking tackles or getting loose. So I thought that was shored up a lot. The linebacker play was solid. I was encouraged a lot by the defense. You know, even some of the corners like Siobhan Revel looked really good in the run game. And he looks like he's going to be a player. I thought the safety play was solid. Julius Wood had some big hits. Uh, Tymere Brown got beat, but then he came back and made a few big plays uh, as far as uh, pass, knocking the ball away, breaking up passes. And then offensively, you got to talk about Alex Flynn. I mean, he just had – you know, one of the, the best days of his career uh, in practice, he obviously hasn't gotten a ton of game experience. But for those who were there can understand, we've been saying all spring, man, Alex Flynn looks like a different guy. Like he's been solid in the past, but he looks like a potential starting caliber quarterback. So uh, I thought he looked good. I thought the receivers called the ball well for the most part. Uh, Kerry King has had a solid spring. He had another solid day. Josiah Hatfield, again, making a Josiah Hatfield play. So a ton to like. Um, the kicking was good. You know, Leif Margin missed an extra point. He's basically their four-string kicker. He's more of a kickoff specialist, so I'm not too concerned about that. Um, we'll get into the punting here in a little bit, but definitely more that I liked than didn't like. And overall, Sean, it was a, it was a pretty clean game. Usually in spring games, you add in the weather, and it seems like it can get a little sloppy. There was a couple of Mason Garcia turnovers. We'll talk about him in a little bit. But I thought overall for a spring game, ECU looked like a pretty good football team all in all. They did. And what I think Houston has done, and I've said this over and over again, that Houston knows how to build a team. And I, I don't see this so much as um, this is not a rebuild at all. This is a reload, I think. We're pretty deep in the important positions. So I don't think that this is going to be a huge drop in talent. Obviously, uh, we're losing our play caller um, and we're losing some key receivers but um i i don't think this is going to be um too significant of a drop in terms of production this may be Stephen, from what i saw it may take three or four games for this group to really begin to click together and i think a lot of that's going to have to do with with the quarterback who is the quarterback going to be 
But um, we really have the players, I think, in place to, to be competitive. I, I think once you look past that Michigan game, um, it really sh- we should be able to hold our own in, in most of the games just on talent alone but there are some some issues right i mean we're, we're gonna have to figure out who's gonna be qb we're gonna have to make sure we've got the tackles in place but overall i i did the last thing and i'll turn it back to you Stephen. I, w- I was really surprised at the enthusiasm uh of the game too that's the most enthusiastic spring game i've ever been to maybe it was because the steak dinner was part of the the winner take all but these kids really seem to enjoy playing with each other and against each other. And I love the spirited nature of, of what Houston has done. And by this time in um, Houston's tenure, this team has taken on his personality. Um, it's by and large his roster and it's by and large his, his team now. And you could really see that play out uh, even in the spring game. So um, I really like that as well. Yeah, I talked to a couple of recruits who were like, man, they were really hyped for a spring game. I didn't really expect that. And I think that kind of speaks to the culture and what was on the line, uh, of course, as well. All right, if you got some comments, we got a couple of comments already rolling in. Uh, Brandon wants to know how many season tickets have been sold so far. Uh, Bubba actually chimes in says a little over 12,000. The goal, I think, is 16000 according to John Gilbert. Um, we got Brandon Carr, the father of Preston Carr, defensive end, joining in. We got a couple guys, Scott Lorbatcher from our baseball podcast, Jonathan Wagner from our baseball podcast. As always, like, share, subscribe, whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, et cetera. Hit the notifications bell so you can get a uh, notification every time we go live. And leave your comments. We'll get to those here shortly. We're going to continue our – spring game rundown and then we'll let some of the comments dictate where we go so if you got any questions on the quarterback situation which i'm sure we'll talk about any other personnel drop that in the comment section we'll get to it all right sean let's talk about what we didn't like and you know coming out of spring ball everything can be positive you know it, it kind of seems that way if you read clippings throughout the country for every spring practice for every program there's not many negatives and i don't want to sit here and act like ECU is going to be a terrible football team, but I do want to be real. Like to me, there are some areas they need to get better at. Coach Houston, the coaching staff, realized that as well. Um, we'll start for you. What did you not like? Uh, what maybe areas of concern do you have coming out of spring for the East Carolina football team? Yeah. So my lowest grade um, for the position group was the was the offensive line and. I, I gave them a, a C and, and I gave them a C because I think we were way too inconsistent on the interior of the line. And I know that foot was out, but um, I think our work is kind of out for us in terms of picking which person now are going to play in what group. And, and I know coach Houston wanted to give lots of people a, a chance to play, but I kind of wish there had been for this particular game, a first group of O-line so they could all start working together. So I'm, I'm concerned about the, the O-line in particular, the interior of the line. Interesting with the tackles. Um, I actually came away feeling pretty good. I, I really like the Owen Murphy kid that we're going to get from Akron, who I think is going to be and can be a starter from day one. Um, I think Moore is going to be good on the edge there as well. And I was surprised by, and I think he was a walk-on, Stephen, and you can tell me, um, Poku, 
the 66 i think he's 6667 and he's listed as 270 but he was bigger than that he i watched him and he did two things really really well and i'm i in my notes i moved him up actually uh to uh to the second position um he had a great first back step which is really important for a tackle he has a really good wingspan and he has the ability to stretch his arms and and he held his own on the edge so i definitely think poku is a player that we can put in the tackle position and i thought walt stribling did a pretty good job as well so the tackles I came away with, uh, you know, feeling not so bad about, I think it's the interior that we're going to have to really sort of figure out who's going to be in there. And then my other lowest grade was wide receiver. Um, I really liked what they were doing with Ryan King, who is the transfer from Georgia tech, but I believe he got injured at some point in the game. Um, And I, I liked what they were doing with him. He has good hands. He has good stretch, but I saw, some inconsistency on some of the people that we're going to rely on on starting and that also could be it's very difficult to have two quarterbacks or three quarterbacks rotating and that may have just been an issue of uh, play selection for some of the wide receivers so I, i i think we're gonna have to really be really clear on who is going to be our one, two, and three uh, at that receiver group. So I think those are the two groups that I came away with um, most concerned about. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair fair take for sure. Uh, it's, it's something for me where I look at it and, uh, you know, I feel like, I, I don't know, I mean, for me, the receiver position, I like the numbers overall. Like I feel like there's a decent amount of, of options that – are dependable, but the lack of like an alpha receiver to me, like, Hey, it's third and five. We're going to throw the ball to this guy on one-on-one coverage when they're playing press man across, across the board. I just don't see that right now. I think Jalen Johnson is going to be a, mm-hmm. a good slot receiver. I think he may end up being their, their number one guy, but the, the lack of a true alpha guy like a Winstead or a CJ Johnson on the outside, uh, even though Johnson played in the slot last year, kind of concerns me. And with Mason Garcia's arm strength, and even with Alex Flynn, you want that guy you can push the ball down the field to vertically and take 50-50 shots on. I just don't see that right now on the roster. We haven't seen it from Ryan King. Haven't seen it from Jarrett Garner, even though they have the size. So um, that's an area I want to see them potentially address in the portal. The other negative for me was was the punting, Sean. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's just not good. Like I talked about the kicking. The kicking was, was much improved. The punting for me was problematic. And again, let me preface the the conditions were terrible. It's uh, it, it's not easy to punt in those conditions. But I just I saw no improvement in the punting game from a year ago. And we're talking about guys who have been in the program three or four years now. So those two areas were the concern for me. And then offensive line, kind of like you mentioned, just the depth. Um, they mix and match the O line, so you know the, the, there was no first team running together. And so I feel like the depth drop-off with kind of the mix and match caused some issues. Too many jailbreaks up front. Elijah Morris was dominating whoever he was going up against, which I think was a backup. So those three areas for me are the biggest concern going into the rest of the offseason. The good news is you still have this portal area where maybe you can address those those things um, as well. So I don't know. Am I making too big of a deal about the punting or am I uh, am I on no. No, it seemed to regress, um, which I, I don't know how you regress in punting, but it did. Uh, and and I, I don't know if it was 
I, I don't think it was the weather. I, I really don't. I, I, I don't know what the what the process is in terms of what the you know what the coaching expectations are for you know for our punter right now. But I think we're going to need some help. Yeah. And there's and competition always lights the fire under people, and and I think that may be what's needed here. Because yeah. I think the, you know the thing about I'll just say this really quickly: when punting is not going well, I mean it really can change the direction of a game. So you really want someone who has both the ability to to, to place the ball fairly well, but also to get some distance. And without that, you're giving up way too many yards. And it's also, um, you know, special teams. It's something that we don't talk a lot about, but special teams can really make or break a, a game. And when it's not going well, it can really demoralize a team. Yeah, short punts after like a three and out, like that just gives the other team so much momentum. It deflates your own team. And yeah, I, I just, you know, it's, if it was a second year player or mm -hmm. second year players who were still progressing, I would be fine kind of rolling that back. But if they can get an upgrade, I'm, I'm all for it. Again, no disrespect to any of the guys who are competing right. there. I'm sure they're working hard. But if you want to be a championship caliber team, you have to have a good special teams unit. Last year was not good. Yeah. Punting was part of that. I feel like they've addressed kicking. They brought in an analyst for kicking. I think they can still address punter as well. Uh, we got a few questions rolling in. Um, before we get to those, Sean, I want to just get your take on the quarterbacks. What you saw, uh, Alex Flynn, Mason Garcia both got significant reps. We also saw Raheem Jeter look like a true freshman, as you would expect. But your initial thoughts on – you know, the quarterback situation, it sounds like Garcia is going to be the guy, but Alex Flynn showed that maybe we shouldn't count him out yet. I, I totally agree. I mean, if we're looking at just that day, Flynn wins the day. Um, he was in command of the offense. He knew the offense. And I think the other thing that really struck me about Flynn is every quarterback has a clock in their um, – in, you know, in, as part of their game and it's an internal clock. And so as soon as that ball, right before the ball is snapped, that clock is going and, um, you know, and the quarterback has to make sure everybody's in the right position. That clock is sort of going, how much time do I have before I snap the ball? And once the ball is snapped, the most important clock starts. And that is the clock that tells the quarterback, how much time do I have to get rid of this ball? The thing that I really liked about Flynn was his clock. Um, and I went back and looked at his high school tape. One of the things that struck me about um, his consistency in his high school game. Now, remember, he only had one year as a starter, which was his senior year. So in some ways, he's still really learning the game. But his clock his senior year and now is very similar. And that is he will wait until the last minute. Um, and throw the ball and throw it in a really smart area. He's very good at hitting the windows, or he will get rid of the ball fairly quickly. And when he gets rid of the ball fairly, fairly quickly, he knows where he's going with the ball. So in high school, if you look at his tape his senior year, he's in command of the offense. What I saw um, at the spring game was a, a clock that allowed him to really – if nobody was open to wait for his progressions and then to fire off the ball or what I love that he was also doing was he was, he was, I think reading the defenses pretty well and he was giving, he was taking what the defense was giving and he wasn't always looking for the home run hit. So they, he was doing a lot of hitches. He was doing a lot of mesh throws, but that's what was being given to him. And then because I was wondering, can this guy throw the ball deeply? 
and he can throw the ball uh, on a vertical as well. So good clock, good presence. He knows the offense. If we were just going by the spring game and that's going to be your starter, I would give it to him. I think with Garcia, what concerned me about Garcia, look, tremendous athlete, right? I, I think I remember Coach Houston saying when he brought on uh, Mason was that uh, he thought Mason was one of the best recruits he'd ever recruited at the position athletically. Um, he is a tremendous athlete um, and he's a mobile quarterback. What I saw though at the spring game is something that I also saw at the Navy game. I went back and looked at his reps at the Navy game. And in some ways it's the same thing that happens in high school. Um, because of his mobility, he tends to roll to the, he seems to like to throw on the run um, and he has a tendency to throw to the right. The problem with that is, is that lowers the amount of windows, throwing windows that he has when he is rolling to the right. So that's problematic. And the second thing in this, and maybe this is something that can be corrected. And again, Stephen, I haven't seen him in practice, so I'm just going by what I saw at the game. I was concerned about his clock. So Flynn has a clock that allows him to know when to throw the ball. If you looked at Garcia in the game, uh, when the pressure began to be on him, I thought he was really too quick to run with the ball or to make a bad decision with the ball. I would have liked for him to wait a half second before he threw the ball and to go through his progressions a little bit more. The problem with a clock that instinctively sort of tells him to run before he waits and throws it is that teams are going to be able to make him one-dimensional really quickly. Uh, a team like Michigan is going to bring a corner up to the line, uh, play man, and dare him to beat them with the throw, and they'll, they'll load the box with him. So if we're going by just the, the spring game, Flint beat him out. Now, if we're looking at the broader sort of picture here, and again, you've seen him more in practice, I, I don't know what to think at this point. I, I really don't. I, I will put it this way. I'm more concerned about Mason than I am um, than I am Flynn. Um, and I, I wasn't expecting to, to say that or see that at the game. But again, this is just spring spring ball. Yeah, no, I can't disagree with anything you said. I will say this: when I saw Mason, I saw the first scrimmage. I thought he looked he looked really good. Second, and Alex looked really good too. Like Alex has been playing like that all spring, which is, you know, consistency with him is is at a level where I'm really encouraged. I just feel like Mason is the type of guy, you know, if if he's playing with guys he's used to playing with, and he's in a system that goes to his strengths, which is going to be a lot of design runs, a lot of targets to Jalen Johnson, which I saw in the first scrimmage. No, I don't even think Jalen Johnson was targeted in the purple goal game. Um, Shane Calhoun was targeted once. He was a huge factor in the first scrimmage. Almost feel like because it was open to the public, maybe they didn't call things how they would normally call them with Mason. And to me, some of that led to some of the inconsistency we saw. I'm not trying to sit here and make excuses for Mason, but I'm just yeah. – you know, first and third scrimmage, I saw a lot of differences there uh, in terms of play calling, design. Again, he was working with different personnel up front. So, you know, whereas Alex, he seems to be a guy, he's been working scout team, he's been working second string, third string his whole life. He's probably used to going in there with whoever and just running the offense. So I feel like the conditions of the scrimmage maybe play to Alex's strengths a little bit, and maybe that's a good thing because you get to game day, you don't know what you're going to see 
and Alex seems prepared to be able to handle that. So, um, look, I, I still think Mason's going to be the starter. I do think if he struggles, and, and Michigan is Michigan, he should get a pass for that game. Yeah. I do think if he struggles early in the season, the way Alex is playing, I would not have a problem giving Alex a shot. But I do feel good about both of them. My thing is I just feel like this team is going to have to be, unless they go out and get a big-time receiver, going to have to be more run-oriented. And with Mason, that adds such a different dimension. I know Alex had the long run, but he's not really a running quarterback. So I do feel like with the running backs, the O-line, and kind of how it's setting up, I think this is going to be more of a run-oriented team. And I think maybe Mason goes better with that. I I don't know if you – you know, maybe, maybe that plays the ultimate role in the final decision, Sean. Yeah, I, I you know, Stephen, again, you've had more time with it. And I, I, to me, the big question is, can Donnie create an offense that really uh, highlights Mason's strengths? Because if he doesn't, it's going to be a long season for all of us. But Mason doesn't look to me, at least from his tape and from the games that I've seen him in, He's not a traditional pocket passer, and and that's okay. I mean, you can win without a pocket passer. You don't have to be a pure pocket passer. You can be a very mobile quarterback and have a lot of success. But if you're going to have success, you're going to have to have the offense revolve around your strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, if you look at his tape in high school and then you look at what he did well at Navy, a lot of play action, you know, uh, two, three step drop. um, And then he hits the first target that's available to him. He did pretty well on that. Uh, On rollouts, he did pretty well on simple out patterns. He's got an arm that can go really anywhere on the field. I think where he struggles with his throws, though, is the touch and the finesse on those throws. I can see a lot of read option with him, but all of this is also going to be contingent on you know how the offensive line gels together so there's no question he's a better runner and and you can win with a mobile quarterback that runs i think to me the issue with that is it is easy so i think you know when a when a team is getting ready for another team what the defensive coordinator is trying to do is you know how do you scheme for a team that you're going to play and you know to be honest with Mason at the helm, it is going to be easier at least to scheme that and to sort of put players in place. Now, it doesn't mean just because you scheme for it, it doesn't mean that Mason can overcome that. With a with a guy like Alex, um, he really creates a lot of problems in the pocket because he sees the entire field, he has the touch, and he knows the offense. So he's harder to scheme for, to be honest. So you can win with a kid like Mason. I think the question is, how is this all going to come together once we're really in the in the thick of things? And and who knows, right? I mean, that's what's so interesting about sports. We don't know until it happens. Yeah, it'll give us plenty to, to talk about yeah. um, leading into the, the opener. I meant to message Alex and Thank him for giving us the quarterback controversy to talk about all <laughs> offseason. Uh, all right, let's get into some of these questions. Uh, Weston wants to know supply, surprise players from the spring. All right, let's start with the first one. We'll go one by one here. Um, and I know, Sean, you can maybe only base it off the spring game. Did anybody surprise you? And you kind of touched on a few surprises earlier, but any specific players that you really liked? So I – 
Um, I, I'm going to talk about sort of groupings. Um, I was watching the Carolina players um, keenly to see how they did. Was pleasantly surprised at their ability to cover and their ability to to make plays. So I feel pretty good about the the transfers from from Carolina. You know, in terms of line, I I thought that Mike Edwards from Georgia Southern stood out really really well. I was impressed with his work, and then and, and Fletch Marshall, who I think is from Hutchinson. Um, I thought did a really good job as well. Um, and um, I really liked some of the backups on the D-line. I, I thought Carr did a really good job. I think he's going to be a good player for us. So, um, I, so I think the Carolina kids I was pleasantly surprised with and then some of the transfers at linebacker spot. Um, and I, one other player on the offense, um, I was impressed with Nemo Squire. I uh, thought he ran the ball really hard and I thought, um, Camara did a better job this year than last year. He looks to have slimmed down some, and he brought a lot of power um, in his run. So I would say those two running backs and then some of the transfers. Yeah, I'm glad you, you mentioned Michael Edwards because we talk so much about the guys coming in this offseason. Uh, B.J. Davis, Taekwon King at linebacker. We talked about Ra Ra Dilworth, the UNC transfer. Edwards came in last year, and he's been in the system – he played 500 snaps as a freshman at Georgia Southern. Played mainly special teams last year, and we didn't really talk about him much at all, but he's had a, a, a phenomenal spring by all uh, intents and purposes. Zakai Barker, another inside linebacker, man, he was everywhere. You could, you could see how he had 100-plus tackles uh, his final few years of high school. Um, I think he's going to be really good against the run. Offensively, I, I thought Jared Garner had a solid spring game, but he didn't make any – outstanding plays, but he caught the balls that were thrown to him. I think he had one drop late, but um, it was tough, tough, wet conditions. I thought overall he showed well. Uh, and then Kerry King didn't have a huge spring game, but every time I was out there during the spring, you know, he's always had the speed, kind of like Josiah Hatfield, but I was most impressed with his route running ability. He got consistent separation. His hands were the best we've seen. So I think all those guys had good springs, maybe surprise springs and uh, overall, we're, we're solid uh, for ECU this spring. I agree. The next uh, next question uh, from Weston, what players are we looking at in the portal? So the portal opens this weekend officially, Weston, as far as kind of the next wave. So uh, I don't think there's really many specific players right now. I can, I can say we did an article today on Hoist the Colors. If you're a subscriber, you can go read that. Uh, we're actually running a 50% off special right now for the next few days. So sign up and, and, and look at that. But I'll, I'll give you a sneak peek as far as they're going to be looking for a receiver. We talked about it earlier, Sean. I think that's kind of the missing piece right now for this offense. If you can get that number one X receiver, I think it could add so much more to the offense. And I don't know if that's going to be easy to find or or, or hard to find, but uh, that, that to me would be the – the biggest uh, goal to look for. How about you? Yeah, and I think you can never have enough quality depth on the O-line. So um, I think we need to add another guard. I'd love to see us add another center. Although um, I think we're we're okay in those positions. I, I think you can never have enough quality depth there. I think the dominant receiver, if we can find one, is a, is a must. Um, and – you know, I think they need a quarterback uh, in the portal as well. I think they need a uh, someone who can come in if, and and compete. 
um, with what we have on the on the roster now. I don't know if that's a possibility um, because a quarterback worth their salt is going to go someplace and want to start. But uh, I would love to see us bring in another quarterback. Yeah, they got to add one just from the standpoint of you got three scholarship quarterbacks, one of which is a true freshman. You at least need four. And so I think they'll add somebody. It's just who's it going to be? Who's going to take that role? Yeah. I don't know. Um, and then Weston also asked, odds that Antoine Jackson plays slash start. So this is the four-star cornerback who was committed to Miami, got out of the you know, uh, the, the national letter of intent, signed with ECU. Then he asked me to take his commitment post down uh, because he was getting so much flag from Miami fans. So uh, he was here for the spring game as a visitor. He is signed. This, the signing has been officially published with the conference office so he's an official signee the expectation is he will be here in the summer i think he will play if he arrives um again i want to see him on campus where i officially believe it but here's the other thing with it sean he, he reclassified he was an additional he was initially a 2024 recruit he reclassified upper year to 2023 so he's only 16 years old and I mean, he, he, he's got big-time talent, but it's just tough for freshmen to play in general. It's going to be very tough for a 16-year-old. I think he may be 17 by the start of the season, but tough for a guy that young to come in and play right away. Yeah, you know, our I thought we did uh, pretty good at the – we're pretty good at the, the DB um, position right now. We've got length and we've got some depth. I mean, I think we need – you know, that's another, I think, position we need to add in the portal. But – I would be very surprised, very surprised if Jackson started. Um, and and I think, you know, uh, the four-star, three-star thing can be very misleading at, at times. So, uh, and at that age, I, I think he would just have to be an exceptional player to get on the field. So who knows until he gets here. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. The stars disappear when you get into the locker room. I will say most of our ratings are based – if you look at the star rating system, and I don't do the ratings or national guys or regional recruiting analysts do it, but the ratings are based upon potential. So it doesn't mean he's going to show up from day one and be a NFL corner. It means, hey, this guy is 6'1", long arms. Once he fills out, once he matures, he could be that caliber of player. So it's going to be tough for him to show up and do that day one. There will be expectations on him just because of his star rating. Uh, it's the same way, same thing with Mason Garcia. Four-star potential because of the athleticism, because of the arm strength, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen, but it does show the potential of everything. So it'll be interesting to follow, no doubt, either way. Uh, going off that, Jonathan Wagner um, asked, lost the top two cornerbacks two years in a row. Is that room still positioned for success this year? So, of course, Malik Fleming transferring to Houston. Jawan Powell ending up at Coastal Carolina. Uh, he actually quit in the middle of the bowl game against Coastal Carolina. He is now going to Coastal Carolina. So that is peak transfer portal right there. Um, Sean, I actually feel better about this room than last year, even with the losses. I love Siobhan Revel. Isaiah Brown Murray is a young kid that I really like. Um, Tamir Brown, we talked about him earlier. Brandon Higgs is a long corner they added uh, from the safety room, and, and they're probably going to add a guy in the portal too. So, I like more size, more length here. I think this room actually has a chance to be even better. Yeah, we've upgraded. Um, I paid close attention to that position. I looked at their ability to get into space. I looked at their ability to cover. 
Um, the length alone is something that I'm really looking forward to, but there's also skill and speed with what we have left. So to be honest, we've, we've upgraded. I'm, I'm not worried about that position in terms of, in terms of what we lost that, that grouping last year was, um, especially as we got to the end of the year, teams began to see that we had a severe weakness in that part of our game and, and took advantage of it. So I'm not concerned at all. Yeah. And, you know, new quarterbacks coach Jules Montanar, I've already heard he's maybe meshing even better with the, the players uh, thus far than, than, you know, previous coaches were. So I think to me, the corner room now very inexperienced, and I do worry about them opening at Michigan against yeah. really talented receivers. But long term, I look at Siobhan Rebel as a guy who can play on Sundays one day if it all comes together. Um, you know, you're talking about a guy who's six one, four four, you know, thirty eight inch vertical or something like that, so he can really play athletically. And and uh, Isaiah Brown Murray, kind of a smaller corner, but pretty physical for his size. And I think he has a chance to be. I don't want to say he's going to be the next Jaquan McMillan, but as far as like being physical and tough at that size, I think he's got a chance to be a good player. So I feel good about that position overall. Yeah. And Siobhan's a perfect example of star ratings, you know, not often yep. meaning anything once, once they get on field, right. He was a kid that transferred from Lewisburg, I believe. Right. Yeah. He, he was one of those guys. I remember talking to some sources when he committed, it was funny because basically they were like, all right, this kid, he did he did a camp at ECU, and he had no, you know, no one even knew who he was. And he went out there, he ran a 4-4, and he broad jumped like 11 feet, and they were like, all right, this kid is going to blow up if he goes somewhere else. So they were like, we'll let you commit, but you got to commit today, and you can't take any more visits. And it happened. Now he's in the program, he's developing, and uh, has a chance to be a really good player in time. All right, uh, again, drop any questions you got, any comments you got, and we'll get to them as we uh, get towards the end of the show here. Um, Bubba says, everything Mike Houston and Blake Harrell say point to upgrade as far as the corners position. I think they believe they've upgraded as well. They have. I think they've upgraded at linebacker in terms mm -hmm. of speed and length. Um, so, I mean, I, I just think it's more inexperienced than anything that we're concerned about at this point. And let me just say something else too, yeah. Stephen, about the, the linebacker upgrade. So last year, one of the things we really struggled with was our linebackers scraping to the edge. We really struggled with our backers on the edge. And a lot of that had to do with speed, the lack of lateral speed, and the lack of sometimes just understanding the flow of the play. The kids that we have brought in, and now they're going to take a while to, to get up to speed, Davis and um, Taekwon, the, the you know, two of these kids that are transfers, but um, but if you look at uh, Edwards, you look at Marshall, and these kids can really fly to the edges, and that makes it much more difficult for outside zone runs. So we have upgraded significantly on the speed at that position. But the other thing that I noticed during the game is that these kids did a much better job of picking up on their cues. You know, linebackers are given certain cues that they have to pick up on who they're going to cover, which man, you know, so they did a much better job with this. So I, I think across the board, we have upgraded at, at, at linebacker and corner. Scott Lorbatcher from our baseball podcast, he asked, is there a 1,000 yard receiver or rusher on this team, in your opinion? This is a great question. 
Last year, ECU had two 1,000-yard receivers. They had Keaton Mitchell, who ran for, I think, over 1,300, maybe even 1,400 yards. Scott, I feel like there's – to me, I think there's one on the roster. I just don't think it's going to happen with the current construction because – and you can weigh in this as well, Sean, but – for me, like I look at Marlon Gunn, if he was going to get all the carries, all the touches, he could be one thousand yard back. But I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be Marlon Gunn. I think it's going to be Gerald Green. I think it's going to be Rajay Harris. It's going to be Javius Bond. I think all four of those guys are going to play. And receiving wise, I just I don't think there's a one thousand yard receiver on the roster right now. Jalen Johnson would be the one guy who maybe could do it, but I don't know if he's going to get enough targets and. Maybe you disagree, Sean. What, what are your thoughts here on? No, I think in the receiver, I, I think Gardner and uh, Gardner has a has the hands and potential, but I I I don't think either one of those guys are going to get a thousand yards. I hope I hope I'm wrong. Um, I I think at the running back um, level, one of the things one of my notes was like when I looked at Gunn, he is he's an elite back, and his build, his ability to move and shift, we're really lucky to have him, but it's a crowded back backfield. Um, and I just don't think he's going to have the touches. He has the ability. Um, he really is an exceptional back. Um, and I hope we're able to, to keep him. I really do. And the, you know, I think the other wild card in this for me is, is bond um, who, you know, fired off a, was it a 50 yard run off? 60. The I mean, that looked incredible from where I was standing and the ease of which that he did it was also pretty striking to me. And I thought that is just one of many touchdowns that this kid is going to score. Um, you know, he, he's also going to come, you know, he's going to be ready to play as well. So it's a talented backfield. I think it's the most talented backfield that we've had, but a thousand yards, it, it'll be tough. It'll be tough. Yeah, it's so easy to make the Keaton Mitchell comparisons to Javius Bond, but the speed and the way he just ran by everybody did look a lot like Keaton Mitchell. It and did. The thing that impressed me most about Javius, and we didn't get to see it as much in the, the this scrimmage, Sean, was the first scrimmage he was cutting left and right. Like he was making guys miss. So he not only has the straight line speed, he's got the ability to stick his foot in the ground and make guys miss, which – Sometimes with those smaller, faster backs, they only have that straight line speed, and he has a lot more than that. So um, he's going to play. I don't know how much, but he's going to play as a freshman, that's for sure. He's talented. All right, uh, a few more questions. Brandon says, how is the kicking looking? Uh, well, the place kicking, I thought, looked, looked solid in the in the spring game. Again, tough conditions. Uh, you had There's so many kickers now. All right, so Andrew Conrad made a field goal. Owen Daffer made a field goal. Uh, Carson Smith at least made an extra point, maybe a field goal. Late margin, again, more of the kickoff guy. He missed an extra point on what looked like a questionable hold, but either way, shanked it. But I thought overall the kicking was solid, and they're adding the VMI transfer, Jerry Rice. Not the Jerry Rice, but <laughs> the white kicker, Jerry Rice. Um, so, uh you're gonna have a heck of a competition this preseason. Yeah, I'm. I'm not as worried at the kicking game as um, as maybe I should be, but I, I thought they all had pretty solid games. Yeah. Well, as soon as somebody trots out there in the big house and shanks one, then everybody will be freaking out again. So <laughs> I don't think uh, I don't think any other school um, FBS school has as many kickers as we do right now. That might be something that we're number one in. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is, look, the team had issues last year in the kicking game. 
I think we all want to see the coaching staff react to it. All right. They've done what they've they've done. I mean, they've added a transfer who was successful. They've added a special teams analyst who is a kicker to basically coach and help that position. So they're doing what they can to fix yeah. it. If they were running the same thing back, like if there's no changes to the punting and the punting still is bad, then that falls on the coaches. But at least they're trying to get it fixed. So I think that's important as well. All right, Bubba asks, uh, obviously it wasn't live, but who was catching punts on Saturday? He said Malik Fleming did well there. Um, so there were multiple guys back. Mm-hmm. Javius Bond was catching putts at one point, and he's, you know, as a freshman, has caught the ball well this this spring, which is important because ball security is, is, is job security. That's always going to be number one. And then Josh Murphy mm-hmm. and Brock Spalding, I've seen all those guys back there. So um, ideally you, you have the explosiveness of Javius Bond, Sean, but he's got to catch the ball first before he wins that job. Yeah, I think at this point they're just looking for a hands guy, and I thought that both uh, Spalding and Brock did a, a, a good job. Murphy and Brock did a good job. Yeah, yeah, I think those guys will be your be in the mix for sure. And then you know Marlon Gunn, Javius Bond, a few others have been back on kick return as well. So uh, lots of candidates. They rep when I'm out of practice. I mean, they rep like 20 guys back there. So there's no, there's no, and then of course Josiah Hatfield too, who took one back last year at Temple. All right, Sean. Well, that looks like it'll do it for our questions. And before we get out of here, again, if anybody's got any late submissions, drop that. We'll get to it. But um, final thoughts on the spring before we get out of here, wrap up the podcast. Just I feel like ECU football is in a good spot right now. Many programs might would be in a more questionable state after some of the losses, given you know the amount of turnover with the roster. But You've touched on it plenty. Mike Houston, it feels like, has kind of stabilized this thing, even even if there will be some ups and downs this year. Yeah, I think we've got some depth. We've got really solid players. I think the question now is who starts at quarterback, right? The, the easy question is who starts at quarterback. But um, we are positioned, I think, to be competitive this year. I, you know, I don't know if we're going to be – sort of championship level, but um, we, we we should win our fair share of games. That, that's my sense coming out of the spring game. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And uh, last question here from Brandon. He says, talk about the tight ends. What's that room look like as far as depth right now? Um, I think Shane Calhoun is going to be the number one guy. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be – to me, he looked like a even better version of himself this, this spring. Um, I know in the spring game we didn't really see that. He dropped a pass that was kind of thrown low, but I expect him to be a focal point of the offense. And then you got Tyler Savage. You got two freshmen coming in, Desirio Riles and Antonio Ferguson. Wouldn't be surprised if they add a transfer from what I've heard. So, um, but I think this is Shane Calhoun's position room. Agree. And I, and I thought Salvage. Savage did a pretty good job in the game. I'm not overly concerned, but I, I think we're, I think we need some more depth there. Yeah, for sure. So maybe another blocking. Yeah tight end or so just to add. And I think from what I've heard, they've been repping some offensive linemen kind of as a extra blocking tight end in certain packages to kind of, to kind of rectify that. Can I just say one more thing, Stephen? Yep. I, I really think that as we start the season, we're going to have a, we're going to have a really good defense. And I think it's going to carry over from last year. The D line has gotten better. JD Lampley looks like an NFL player Um, his ability to hit the edge. He's, um, he's really uh, he's one of the best players I've seen at this stage in the game on the D line for for us. So I think we are going to be really really competitive. And 
and difficult for teams to beat us uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And I think the defense is my guess would be is the defense is going to carry us uh, for a while until we figure out what we're going to do with the offensive side of the game. But I really liked what I saw on the defense, particularly the defensive line, um, their depth, their ability to to play their position. They controlled that line of scrimmage, both lines of scrimmage throughout the game and, and had tremendous pressure. So I really like where we are with our defense. And I was impressed too with the blitzing, not yes. obviously the, the, you know, the cause, but, the guys who were coming on the blitz, you know, the extra length, Samuel Denka, Ra uh, Ra Dilworth, like all those guys look different than some past mm-hmm. linebackers who have blitzed. So I think we're going to see that pay off a lot. Just real quick, Denka looked like a difference maker and really incredible player. His athleticism, his ability to know where the ball um, was headed. I, I thought it's going to be a, 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 a tremendous addition for us on defense. So we've got some really talented players that we did not see last year that I saw at the spring game that I'm excited to see. Yeah, Danka not only had a sack, but also a one-handed diving pick of Mason. So um, he's going to be a special talent as soon as he, you know, obviously continues to develop. All right, Sean, well, this was fun, man. Always fun to talk football. Uh, we're, we're a ways away from September. I think it's yeah. September 2nd in the big house. But um, before you know it, it'll be preseason camp, and we'll have plenty more to talk about. But as always, man, we, we thank you for your time and insight on the Hoisty Colors podcast and excited for another season. Yeah, thanks for having me, Stephen. For Sean, I'm Stephen Igo. Thank you guys for listening to the Hoist of Colors podcast. Again, 50% off special if you listen to the podcast or listen to us live. It'll continue through the weekend. If you're not a subscriber to Hoist of Colors, you can sign up now for 50% off. Get all the transfer portal buzz as that's going to start up this weekend. And also, if you're a monthly full-time subscriber, you can upgrade to 50% off an annual pass uh, right now as well. So take advantage of that on hoistthecolors.net. All right, we're going to get out of here. We'll be back Monday night with our ECU Baseball Roundtable. Until then, thank you guys for listening. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving nonstop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.